Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew that is Sam and Westy. Uh, we have plenty to talk about. We have URC action and we have Six Nations action. It is coming up to Sixmas Eve. It is coming up to the year anniversary of Westy's amazing poetry skills. Uh, if you haven't seen that amazing thread of tweets, uh, I'll probably retweet it this week, but it was fantastic. Maybe another one in the works, Westy. Are we, how are we feeling about it? You're not sure yet. You're not sure. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that uh, later, later on. But uh, well, first of all, as always, we'll check in with the lad. Sam, how are you? How pumped are you for some Six Nations? Oh, pumped. It's, I always pretend like I don't care as much as everyone else. I'm like, oh, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm okay. I'm a big Connacht fan. And then it gets to the week of, and Wales drop their team on a Tuesday. And I'm like, ball and let's go. Oh, so yeah, get getting excited now. Can't wait to see when the team, a team probably named Thursday. That's kind of the usual vibe with Six Nations and international games. So excited beyond belief for it yeah and hopefully hopefully be able to sit down and watch it all you know this is going to be the first year where last year my baby was only however a couple of months old not even a year yet so she was just chilling watching whatever i watch but now she's big into peppa and peppa takes precedence over whatever i want so i might be on the phone while she watches on my nice 58 inch tv yeah that's that sounds like a bad (laughs) deal for you but uh yeah, name of the team she on chooses. Like a big dick move? Is it kind of like... Uh, yeah, move. I like it. I kind of like, here's our team. Here it is. Prepare. Do what you want with that information, you know? But wasn't that Andy Farrell's strategy initially when he first came in? He, for like that first six nations he was in charge, he did the same thing. And then we had a pretty poor performance, so he backed out of that strategy what pretty if, fast. What if Farrell named his, his uh, five teams in one go on Thursday? said, here you go, lads, five weeks worth of teams. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do like it. But, uh, speak, oh, you know, it is Six Nations. Uh, oh, actually, before we get to that, Westy, how are you? You finished eating your biscuits, how are you? Yeah, sorry, when you uh, almost judged me earlier had a mouthful of delicious little biscuits. Hey, no free ads, crackers, no free ads, Westy, come on. Um, God, I'd love to be sponsored by them. That's where I do all my shopping. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, um, I, I guess now I'm deep in poetry mode because I have to live up to last year. Um, so I'll see. Maybe I'll get something out before the Six Nations starts. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, it was my niece's birthday um, at the weekend. So the big five, ju- just five. Um, it's all downhill so, from yeah, that was It's a, all downhill from her. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I took her aside at her birthday party, surrounded by her friends and cake, and said, "Listen, it's all downhill for you. You know, you need to start getting your pension sorted out. Uh, you know, start saving for a house because it's not going to be what, cheap. What you need to start thinking about is multiple revenue streams because I mean, the money in the bank, you're losing money based on inflation. You know, you need to, you need to start investing your money wisely. Invest that birthday money. Your niece also went from being like the youngest only." grandchild and niece in the family to like one of five grandchildren or four grandchildren in like the space of two weeks so yeah. it's a big realization time for her the poor four four year old uh five yeah five year old oh it was a, i was the only uncle who came to the birthday party let's put it that way yeah, yeah. Every, everyone else is busy now <laughs> but you're you're cementing that favorite uncle status it is down uh wesley yeah. was disappointed he couldn't go in, into the ball play area and start you know jumping around Funster. In Castle Bar, sort out your regulations because I love a I love a soft play area myself. Uh, for reasons I totally understand, they weren't willing to let me in with the children. It's like you know, there's a bounce castle. You're like, I will fuck those kids up. I have no let me in there, and I will I will hurt somebody. You know, no bother. 
but uh, yeah, well, look, that's great. Uh, we will now, yeah, we've got some Fanzo action. They're back. Fanzo have delightedly. Uh, delightedly is not a word right delightedly delightfully they've partnered up with the podcast again is what I'm trying to say so they have come back on board for the Six Nations after a a great Autumn Nations as well Uh, so now we have a prediction league for the Six Nations so again you just join the league using the code NONE download the app enter NONE into the code and you're into the Master of NONE league where we have this year we've got prizes uh, so the top three will get vouchers for Della Restaurant in Galway, which is fantastic. Myself and Westy were there on Saturday. It was delicious. Um, Cheers for the invite. You were, you were away. You so were so away. happy to be involved with this, uh, this brunch. Well, look, you're, you were away. Yeah, well, you, and, you and Steve have your after-work golf trips. Me and Steve have our Saturday brunches. So, you know, deal with it. I also, I want, read, I want to reinvigorate the Sam missing Connor Keynes and Connacht having... Great it's a good wins. point. Another five points. Another five points when Sam was there. Points. Like I love going to Connacht games. I love pancakes, and you're doing me out of all these things. <laughs> it's yeah. for the greater good, Sam. For the greater good. Nah, great. The greater good. The greater, greater good. good. <laughs> but yeah, with Fanzo, we want to make every game more exciting. The Six Nations. Predict the score. Beat your mates, and you can also win free pints. So as well as Della vouchers, you can also win free pints. So top three will get Della vouchers. Shout out to Della. They have been incredibly generous with their vouchers. Uh, some great you know meal so you can get some brunch with some bubbles you can get some afternoon dinner with some bubbles uh, some prosecco up in this bitch uh, whatever you want there's a choice of three vouchers we can go with but the top three will get those um, and if for every reason you can't make it if you're from Wales for example uh, we can send over the money equivalent and I'll take the voucher and I'll go to del- del- enjoy some delicious uh, dinner got the with por- Westy got the, and not me yeah what actually Sam I got the pork burger on Saturday morning Sam and it was you would have loved it you would have loved it uh almost as much as i enjoyed it westy got the same we, we both we porked up uh and yeah. it was that sounds terrible but it, it, it was it was delicious uh we had we had the the lady friends with us as well i think molly got yeah we've got the breakfast burrito did molly get the uh, poached eggs yeah and poached avocado? eggs and avocado is right westy good stuff good remembering from you i remember when i worked in the pub beside della uh for a couple of summers and one of the chefs from Delhi used to come in and have a drink after work and he told me on a busy weekend he could be making four or five hundred poached eggs. He's just on the go, constantly poaching them. And he was telling me the the trip to, trick to it and explaining how to do it because you know the old vinegar trick that we do. But like good chefs don't do that. You have to get this real deep pot, get it bubbling, make a little whirlpool crack it. Once it hits the bottom, it hits the top, it's done. Uh, I tried it at home, it did not work for me at all. Mine just looked like the ghost of Christmas Christmas past from the Nightmare Before Christmas Muppets movie. Not my Nightmare Before Christmas, the uh, Christmas Carol Muppets movie. More poachers than Prime David Pocock. Am I right? Hey guys, oh. rugby joke. Hey guys, anyone? I like oh. this thing on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fortunately, our, our friend of the pod, Sylvan, was not there. Uh, he was not working on Saturday, so I asked for him at the end to send on our regards, but he wasn't there. But Sylvan, maybe next time we're in, we we can uh, we can firm handshakes all around. But uh, thanks again for fans over for teaming up with us. and said, get downloading the app, join the league. Um, and get predicting because uh, we'll, we'll get into Six Nations later on but there's going to be some tough predicting coming up with the likes of Wales, Scotland and Italy because who the hell knows uh, but before we get into that's all, the exact same as every Six Nations well, the no, likes of you Wales, could always Scotland. back Italy to lose and then they went and won last year so you know it's not that easy anymore 
you could go big and be like, hey, Italy to beat Wales again, which I'm kind of leaning towards. Uh, but then, you know, it could totally blow up in your face. Uh, so we'll see. But we'll, we'll get to that later on. We'll start off with some URC action. Uh, all four provinces in action at the weekend. We'll start, of course, with Connacht. We have a five-pointer to talk about. It's, it's a rarity, but we needed it. Boys stood up, delivered the five points we needed against Emirates Lions. 43 points to 24. Uh, six tries scored from Connacht. A hat-trick for Cale and Blade. Along the likes of Kilgallen, Della Hunt and Tiernan O'Halloran also racked up points. J- Jack Carty, huge night, overtook Eric Elwood as the top point scorer for Connacht, um, which was amazing. It flashed up on the screen uh, at the sports grounds, then flashed onto Eric Elwood, who was in the crowd. <laughs> and the that, to show him every time Jack scored again, uh, which it, was it, fun. It showed him before the kick as well. It showed Elwood like when we were watching on TV, and then it showed him on the screen afterwards. And I reckon Cardi must have seen it, or I don't know, was it was announced on the speaker, but you could see it was following Cardi's face along with the, the camera. And it was like a nice little cheeky kind of smile, like he definitely knew what it what the whole story was, like he's very aware of it. So lovely moment for him. Yeah, the only thing I would say is, uh, being at the pitch, there was like a 30-second round of applause, obviously, when Jack kicked it. But with the new like clock regulations and all that, the game had to start pretty quickly. And he didn't really get the moment I think he deserved. But I'm sure, look, I'm sure afterwards in the change room and all that they did, and I'm hopefully the next home game they might give a... They might do something for him because it's an incredible <coughs> achievement. And, um, you know, in what's been an up-and-down year for Jack, he's, the last two games he's been fantastic. He was uh, amazing again. Uh, do the night, but the game overall, Westy. I think we, you know, we were at the game. The kind of the attacks looked looked as good as it has all year, especially that that opening drive where they went phase after phase. You know, Jack was leading from the front. You know, big carries. Um, we finally saw, I think, attack that was it looked pretty potent like it did last year, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and especially doing that from the kickoffs, that really sets out a marker in terms of how we wanted the game to go. We were there to play. We were there to play quick ball and. Again, some of this happened with Connacht early on or earlier on in the season. If we have got that early score, we've kind of taken our foot off the gas a little bit. Um, and you can kind of see glimpses of that in this game because, you know, you know, two minutes later, Lions are on the pitch and they take the penalty. You know, they may be kicking themselves for not going for the try there because it, it may have had a different, you know, it may, it may have kept the game, you know, more in their sights for a bit longer. But um, the attacking stuff was great. I kind of said to you, it was kind of beautifully frantic at times. You know, it, even especially with Connacht, I'm, I'm not always really disappointed when stuff doesn't come off. As long as we're trying things, you can see the intent um, and you can see the spaces that they're aiming for. Um, you know, I love it when they try those things, they go for it. But obviously, you know, in, in a somewhat level-headed manner. Um, I think that really worked. We were a bit kind of concerned, I think. Uh, after the first kind of two or three scores where it was literally swapping scores. I think Sam texted us and said the Connacht can either defend or attack, but not both. Um, so I was really happy with how the game progressed and the Connacht did defend much better. And we actually held them to a point where they took nothing from the game, which is huge for us because they were only a couple of points behind us in the table at the time. So um, I've said before, uh, you know, multiple times, I'm flogging a dead horse when I talk about Connacht picking up bonus points, but it's also really important that we don't allow teams that we're in direct competition with now to take bonus points from us because, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing, you know, as, as not taking a bonus point if, if the other team get it as well. Well, like, as you said that, actually, when I look at the table, Lions, even though with the game in hand, there are six points behind us. So we have put them out of touch for, the, you know, for at least that game in hand. Um, so that's a really good point. We're up to six bonus points now. I think last year we only had four. Uh, if my maths, if my memory's correct, so uh, look, it's an improvement. Connacht up to 10th in the table, six wins, seven losses. 
um, 30 points and you know you're looking at the table and it's it seems again doable but look at the next couple of games which you get stuck into but Sam uh, at home you know obviously sometimes fans are the fans are not happy with maybe some of the defensive lapses and not maybe conceding not not scoring should I say sorry in the last 20 minutes but we were kind of speaking about this we thought Connacht actually you know especially that second half they really actually killed the game off really well with you know some of Jack's kicking do you want to talk about that? I think they managed it very well once they got far enough ahead that we were comfortable. And I wasn't comfortable at halftime, even though we were dominant. I just, I, I'm too scarred from times gone by with Connacht. But once they got to a point where they were, man, they were, they were comfortably ahead, it was after Blades trying about 60. I think that they decided to just not down tools from an attacking point of view, but take the intensity out of the game and just lock uh, the Lions back into that corner. And Jack did it so well with his kicking the way that they ran channels, the way that they ran to certain areas, kept the ball alive really quickly. So it wasn't, it was still quick ball, but it wasn't necessarily like penetrative ball. It was brilliantly played. And I thought it was really smart in the way that they did that because it took any, any opportunity for Lions to get out of it, uh, out of their hands. Anytime they got the ball, it was a turnover or a penalty on their own line or a free kick and they couldn't do anything with it. They kicked it to touch between the 22 and a half way. And we did the exact same and we worked it right down into that corner. So, I was extremely happy with the professionalism and the seeing it out the way that they did, having done all the hard work early on. Early on, when there was a couple of their swap scores once or twice, two kickoffs were kind of botched. I was impressed with the mentality of Connacht to not let that get to them because Connacht in games in this season and past seasons would have dropped the heads and they would have conceded two tries off the back of one dropped kickoff. Instead of conceding a penalty and a try, they would have been you know three tries from those two drop kickoffs. So the, the manner in which that they they got themselves together, built on the positivity of how they played, and then when they were comfortably ahead, changed, brought on some, not wholesale changes, but brought on in dribs and drabs the players off the bench who all had positive impacts in the way that the game panned out. You know, you saw the likes of Anger and Dooley having absolutely sensational games, and then Duggan and Robson McCoy were on at the end of the game. So that's that's more positive minutes under under their belts, and it's just adding to the depth and the strength of it. Uh, Della Hunt was excellent and then so was Tierney Martin there wasn't a misstep there like Fafida who hadn't been very good against Newcastle was on for the last few minutes and you brought Bulk in there to try and shore it up when Lions could have potentially you know tried to bulldoze a little bit and maybe get that bonus point so really really happy with the entire game uh, you know one or two mistakes aside but I think every game's going to have that and it's how you react to them so yeah chuffed chuffed with all the lads I thought that the professionalism I thought Carty's leadership was you know, maybe lacking in the last couple of weeks, and that was Christ's confidence for him. I thought he was fen- phenomenal in the way that he he managed the ball, managed the rest of the players, managed the the time, everything that he did. I thought was sensational. So I was I was chuffed for him as well personally because it's such a momentous day. You're glad he had a great game as well. Yeah, exactly. And he has responded to the critics, and he's responded really well. To, you know. A couple of games ago, where he was pretty, you know, pretty bad, especially off the tee. Um, he's been very, very solid since, and just again, just can't play the best stuff when he's pulling the strings, and that's just, that's just, you know, the facts. Um, it's amazing, Barry Smurf. Just one of the one of the biggest criticisms of him that's leveled at him is how inconsistent off the tee he is, and it's amazing to think that someone who they people maintain are that inconsistent off the tee or so poor off the tee. Could be the top point scorer in Connacht history. Imagine if he, imagine if he was ninety percent kicker. Like how far ahead of Elwood he'd be already. Like well, a lot, so of, a lot of the tweets were like, you know, not bad for someone who's playing on the edge of the fucking world, the Atlantic and stuff <laughs> like that. You know what I mean with the wind? It's it's so true though. Like it's such a leveler in terms of the wind and stuff. He kicks in there. He kicks like you know the most out of any kicker in Galway. Like he he's there. It's so tough for him. So yeah, I thought he's kicking 
uh, two weeks ago against the Sharks was phenomenal. And I thought this, or not the Sharks, sorry, Breeve was phenomenal. And then this week as well, I thought it was so good. Like, so even after missing the first one, which, you know, in the past might have gotten into his head, just didn't, it didn't affect him at all. It's a funny statistic because he does get a lot of stick and, you know, somewhat rightly so for being inconsistent with his kicks. But now, maybe, maybe not this year, this year's a bad example, but other years, he's still been around the 72, 75% from his kicks, you know? And as you guys said, like kicking on the edge of the world, it kind of, it skews the numbers a bit. So, um, just because he often misses what might perceive to be a kick he should get, you know, Jack also tends to get kicks that maybe he shouldn't get by that logic as well. So, yeah, it's great. You forget how much, as you guys have already said, he actually has accumulated over the years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sam highlighted a couple of performances, but I just want to highlight something about Jordan Duggan. Um, obviously, we were saying we we're very impressed with how his, you know, his couple of cameo appearances off the bench. Um, he looks like he's really, really progressing. But I put up an Instagram and a tweet about him. It was a picture of him playing air guitar, and I asked for some solutions. But Jordan actually responded himself on Instagram. And I want to. I'm just going to give you the song and the band, uh, and I'm I'm expecting one of you guys to get this. But if this doesn't make you love Jordan Duggan, I don't know what it is. The song is called "Heal Me." I'm heartsick by No Vacancy. Anyone want to guess? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's from School of Rock. Yes, it's it? from uh, School of Rock. <laughs> so it's the guy at School of Rock who's just wearing sleeves. He's got no top on apart from sleeves. Uh, spider? Is that his name? Spider, I think it was Spider, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the song he was air guitaring to. So um, it makes it even more enjoyable. And I asked him if he's going to get that outfit, and he says uh, he might wear to a pregame. Uh, one time so just expect to see sleeves and nothing else from Jordan Duggan coming to you soon but uh, one more player I want to highlight is Kilgallen Connors um, are going to have a real issue on their hands when both Mac and Portia are fit because Kilgallen is turning himself into a big time player He when he plays he tends to score and that's just how he is um, watching him in person he is a big 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 man um, he probably still hasn't filled out to his full potential rapid quick uh, and just seems to have a knack for being in the right place right time um, and for someone so young, it's it's just been really impressive to see him kind of you know come on leaps and bounds. And when Mac isn't there with Irish duty, God, it's such a luxury to have him in there, like you know hitting the ground running. So um, as well, you have to highlight Blades three tries, uh, celebrating new contract in style. Three hat tricks in three games as well, isn't it? Wooten then Finley Bealham then Blade. I don't know if that's happened before in the history of the world. To uh, be honest, and somehow only two wins. Uh, from those three games <laughs> which is probably more of a codex statistic than I'd like to admit we'd kill Gallen as well like we, we were talking about at the end of last season Peter Sullivan left uh, and he had been a big player for us at moments he got that winner against Ulster I thought he was phenomenal and I didn't understand why he had been let go but I think he was let go because they were so comfortable with how good Kilgallen is how good a player Kilgallen is going to grow into like he is he looks every bit a starter for Connacht at his age and he looks hungry for it then you have Adam Byrne and, and Wooten as well, not even kind of in the team or, you know, down with injury. We have such a depth at wing. Porchy signed on for a few more years. Max signed on. You might be away with Ireland a bit more over the next while. So Kilgallen is it's such a baller and it's such a good player to have because I think he he does. He has an extra score and he's, he's a proper winger's winger, I think. Yeah, 100%. He's just great, great talent. Um, looking at the table today, lads, and I wanted to talk about, just because obviously Connacht are currently in 10th position, as I said, uh, looking at the roadmap ahead, obviously Connacht need to win games. But if they do go on a bit of a run and win possibly for the next five, you're looking at Benetton in 7th as the team to overtake. Sharks are in 8th at the moment, but they have two games in hand. 
Um, and Benetton are four points ahead of us currently, uh, same amount of games played. But I was looking at Benetton's schedule. Uh, Benetton's schedule is, I would say, a lot harder than ours, considering the last two games they go away to South Africa to play the Sharks and the Stormers, uh, which are two of the best teams in the league. They also uh, go away to Cardiff and go away to Ospreys. Ospreys are in great form at the moment, uh, flying high, and then they're home to Lions. So of those five games left, you could easily see a couple of losses, especially those last two. They're by no means easy. Um, away to Cardiff and away to Ospreys are no, you know, they're not by any means, you know, gimmies either. So, like, the roadmap is there for Connacht to sneak into that top eight. Um, obviously, a lot is dependent on Connacht themselves, but you know, Westy, it's important to see at least a roadmap and have a bit of hope. And you know, it's in Connacht's hands a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's that um, maybe a line that we've used a few times over the last few seasons where. Um, we can still see that our fate or that Connacht's fate is, is in their hands. You know, if they win, they have the power. If they win, as you say, four out of five get remaining games, odds are they'll probably qualify. If they win all five, they will almost, it's, it's hard to see them not qualify. I don't want to say definitely or like that, just in case it comes back to bite me in the, in the behind. Um, but yeah, so it, it feels as if Connacht's destiny is still well within, within, their own within our own grasp uh, and that's a really encouraging thing you know we can I was chatting to you earlier and I was saying uh, you know we were saying about Benetton having to go to South Africa and uh, Munster's having to go to South Africa and Munster and Glasgow have to play each other and I think uh, Edinburgh still have to play Ulster and Leinster or something so you can look at these fixtures and say yeah like those results could go our way and it will help but it's obviously not more disheartening from a playing position and, and from a management position and even a support position when you then become reliant on these other results to go your way because you know if, if if you if you lose the next game let's say you could have four of the best performances of your season uh and then it's still out of your control so as you said luckily with that bonus point win um our destiny is still firmly within our own grasp so it's, it's really encouraging i think as a fan and a hope for the rest of the team for that yeah and as we said before these next two league games obviously they're not for a few weeks but um, away to Dragons and away to uh, Zebra are just huge, huge games. You need to get at least two wins, obviously, from those. Uh, and then you kind of you approach the last kind of block of, of two, um, at least uh, still in the hunt. With that as well, though, like Munster have Ospreys next. Uh, and Ospreys are on form. I know it's in Thoman, but Ospreys are on form. And Benetton are away to Cardiff. And I'm, I, don't, I don't rate Cardiff too much. And a lot of their players will be with Wales. But it's, you know... There's an opportunity there for one or both of those to drop uh, points. Glasgow are playing Ulster. There's another opportunity for them to drop points. And we're away to Zebra, which is never easy for Connacht, but it's the type of thing, if you want top seven or top eight, it's the type of game you need to be getting four to five points from. Uh, and it's isolated. It's two weeks to that game and then two weeks after. So the actual outlook of the entire rest of our season will change significantly in this kind of one single one-off game in two weeks' time. And we're not as dampened by you know international losses is like a, a Munster or a Leinster or a Cardiff would be we've got less in an international setup so it might be a massively significant moment for us if we can go get five against Ebre and one of those or two of those teams lose the, the whole outlook of it changes and then you go into a two-week break before Dragons who you really should be beating I know that they're they're better and they're tough to play away but should be beating them and it all starts to unfold the way we said before January it would do. Like the, the start of this season just dampened so many spirits, but it was so, so front heavy that the, the second half of the season had plenty of winnable games. It was every game after that last inter row I said was a game that you could actually identify as a winnable game. And I don't think I'm wrong in that. And I think that we're seeing now the rest of the games left this season 
outside of Glasgow away on the last day of the season, I think are all games that we should be going into believing we're winners. And I think Glasgow, we, we should go in believing we could win. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. But the road, the roadmap's there, which at least it's it's one thing when it's it's clear laid out in front of you. But um, we'll finish up in Connacht by talking a bit about Carl Ford. Sam, uh, obviously another good game at twelve at the weekend. We have to talk about you know unfortunately Bundy in terms of Connacht because it's still a talking point. But um, you wanted to talk about obviously his performances the last few weeks and maybe you know a lot of that going towards him starting over the likes of Bundy. Um, and you know also a bit of planning of the future because Bundy won't be around forever so uh, talk to us a bit about that yeah I'd messaged you earlier I just wanted to highlight it really he's been exceptional in the games he's played he's very physical he's a really smart rugby player he really he likes getting through a lot of work and I think the Connacht have played their best rugby with him and Hawkshaw at 12 this year which is ironic because both of those are 10s kind of playing in that 12 channel which we've seen as well with Crowley and Munster uh, and then Jake Flannery did it for the Ulster A as well Harry Byrne, Ross Byrne, or Harry Byrne uh, was playing a little bit of 12 outside Ross Byrne. Was it earlier this season or last season? So, you know, your 10s playing at 12, maybe there's a, going to be a shift away from that traditional McCluskey-Aki style 12 and that Carl Ford gives us, or Carl Ford or Hawkshaw at 10 playing at 12 gives us a different dynamic and a different attacking ability. Connick's, you know, Connick needs to be better at the physical side of things and are getting better. But I don't think that where we are going to excel in any game is to be absolute, you know, beat them over the game line sort of players. Getting the ball out quick, having more ball players in that 12 position is integral to how Connick are going to develop. And the fact that he's so young, the fact that he's Connick, like born and bred, he's, you know, he's a local lad, they're all positives. And I've been so impressed with him. He's gotten his tries when he's deserved. He's gotten his man of the match when he deserved it. And I've been really, really impressed. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about Bundy missing and give me Bundy 99 times out of 100 for Connacht. If he's available and fit, I want him playing. That's the, the stature of the man. It's, you know, he's a, he's a Connacht great. He's probably the best signing in Connacht history, in my opinion. But if you look at Connacht's performances this year with Bundy, without Bundy, with Tom Daly, without Tom Daly, that having Hawkshaw and having Ford at 10 playing at 12 has been when we've actually been at our best. Yeah, and look, at Bundy signing one more year with the IRFU, by all accounts, he'll be here with Connacht another year, you know, th- that that season. After that, who knows what's going to happen. So, like, giving forward game time now will only stand to him in the, in, the, in the coming years and maybe will help his progression. So, look, I, I agree with you. If Bundy's fit and available and raring to go, he needs to start. But, you know, Ford has done more than enough in the last couple of games to warrant a lot of selections as well. And... Um, you know, it's just he has a he has a left foot as well. Remember, we were speaking so highly of when Fitzy had the left foot outside Jack, and having that left foot a kicker option in the back line is such a benefit to us. I remember Fitzy getting that 50 22 in it. Forty didn't actually use it that much, but I think that the, the option opportunity is there. Andy Farrell holds having a left footed kicker in his back line as a really important, uh, important feature of his game as well. And it's, it's, I do think it does add another dynamic to him. And, yeah, between Ford and Hawkshaw, you've got like poor Daly. Like Daly was our player of the season a couple of years ago. He played every minute of every game bar one two years ago. You know, we had him on the podcast. He was in Irish camps. He had he captained a couple of times. And now he looks like he can't get looking, not because he's not good, but because those players are taking their opportunities. And Connacht haven't been great this year, but the players who've been asked to step in, I think, have stepped in when they've been needed. Yeah, look, I think uh, Anna, a friend of the pod, Anna, eight centre partnerships this year for Connacht eight different centre partnerships, uh, which is just, it's a, it's it's probably a few too many, what you would want for a club for a season. 
Uh, obviously, a lot of it's been taken out of their hands, but you know it's been a lot of rotation. But um, look, we'll, we'll, it's good. Connacht kind of have a few weeks off now uh, to you know prepare. A lot of the players going off now in holidays, which is well deserved, uh, and they'll be rearing back for that two game block now in, in a couple of weeks. We we'll move on to Ulster. Ulster got a, a well needed and much needed uh, bit of a hammering over the Stormers, thirty five points uh, com- uh, against five points. Five tries for five tries for Ulster, Doak, Moxham, uh, Timoney, Tumaga, Allen and Lowry, and plenty of conversions as well between Doak and Cooney. Uh, Stormers finally scoring a try in 76 minutes. It looked like they could have been uh, zero there for a while, but look, at Stormers by no means sending over their best team, uh, Westy, but this was the sort of win Ulster kind of needed. A, a pretty easy, you know, good old hammering, uh, and we also got to see a great post-match interview from uh, Tumaga Allen as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I was only saying, I, I watched it with my partner here and I was saying that um, like, that's something we see so much in the when we watch the Super Rugby. Um, uh, that the, the kind of character and personality that the lads give in those interviews. Um, but definitely it's something that Ulster needed. And it, it, again, it's not, you know, we've said before, it doesn't really matter. You, you have to play whoever turns up, so you can't hold it against Ulster for the fact that it wasn't the strongest uh, Stormers team. But... Um, the, 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 I think the manner in which they won is far more important than the actual win itself. Um, the, the, the scoring kind of scoring that highly and scoring such kind of dynamic tries, I guess, the kind of ultras that we saw earlier on in the season, where they were able to create these chances and, and capitalize on them, I think was really good. Um, so that should go a long way to getting the kind of wind back behind their backs as well, especially going into the break. One of the tough things for them is, you know, they, they hit a rough patch that started with Leinster. Um, and then they were kind of forced to go into Europe and Interpros and Europe again. So that really isn't a place you want to be when you're trying to re, uh, rediscover your form, let's say. So um, it was an ample opportunity for them, as you say, a weekend Stormers team to let loose and go out there and express themselves. And hopefully now, as I say, that gives them confidence going forward. Yeah, for the likes of like Lowry, who's been kind of in poor form, James Hume's been injury ridden in poor form. Them lads getting a, a game like that could be could be the difference maker. Uh, also, Westy, are you making dinner as you're doing this podcast? I may be chopping some veg he's, in the background. Me and Sam are watching him as he comes into frame, out of frame. He's He's got a knife in his hand. I, I've got training in an hour and a half, but i got to get dinner on. Just just for the fans out there, no, never doubt Wes's commitment to this podcast. He's, he's multitasking <laughs> like a boss here. Uh, Sam, Ulster, you know, I look at the table here. They're a game in hand on Leinster. Um, they're, def- they're obviously out of, out of reach of those, but 43 points in third place. They look like they've got that th- you know, at least top four lockdown. Um, it's still, you know, after all the the troubles, they're still in a good spot. Yeah, and I hope that they take that form into next uh, two weeks' time playing Glasgow because Glasgow, we want to drag them back into the fight with us uh, down around for that seventh, eighth. You know, I'd prefer seventh for Europe, but eighth for playoffs is fine. Uh, just to just to kind of get to that midpoint of the, uh, the table. But I think Ulster are hopefully over that hump for their own sake, over that hump that they were in without massive damage you know they managed to get through in the champions cup which was it, it's mental that they did considering the first game at sale uh, they've got that they managed to not fall down the table too far they're still very much in contention in the table so it's it's a good time to get over a hump there's a couple of players there with probably a chip on their shoulder as well you know some of the players that had been in around ireland camps that maybe haven't had the best form for ulster but that's never stopped ireland from picking players before might feel a little bit aggrieved to not be in that Ireland squad for the Six Nations. So I thought Lowry had an absolute game, and Bessie played all season for me. I hadn't seen him too, you know, too too much this year playing to the standards that he'd set himself. Uh, and then you have Timoney there, who probably should be in Ireland camp as well. 
on the wing. I thought Moxon was brilliant. So they're getting they're getting back to it. They looked much better. We said, was it the uh, yeah the sale game last time out? We said they're just getting the win, grinding out, beating up a team, and managing to get over the line was going to be really important for the mentality. And this is another step for that. I don't think they would have taken as much from this game if they had just scraped past the Stormers that came depleted. I think they really needed to put on a show and really put the foot on the throat and just say, look, you know, we're, we're past that. We're going to start dominating. Anyone that comes to Ravenhill is going to be in for a hide. And that's the sort of the mentality that they've put out there. Players like Tamaga Allen stepping up. Like when, when he, before he signed for them, I said, Connick should look for him. I did such a good player. Uh, Wasp for letting go of him last year before Wasp folded. I don't know how they're going to keep him now. Kits off coming in and they've signed yours as well. So it's, it's kind of an interesting situation there at Ulster. But, you know, they've got a good squad. And if they're confident, they can really make a run at the end of the season, which three weeks ago we were saying they were out. And now we're looking at them going, oh, actually, they're class again. Like, they're, they're still class. Let's see how the mentality holds up. But Yeah, they're still not winning jack shit. Sorry, Ulster fans. But look, at we, that's, a, that's a discussion for a different day. Uh, move on to Munster. They... Take, took part in a 70 point trailer with Benetton away to Benetton uh, 30 points of 40 Munster coming out on top uh, 6 tries for Munster Patterson, O'Sullivan Hodnett, Klein Frisch and Carberry um, this game was right in the melting pot up until really the last kind of 15-10 minutes um, Benetton showing why Connacht should be petrified but also parts giving us hope uh, with especially that last 10 minutes but um, Westy Munster again did enough you know, to, to come out on top they never panic uh, but Benetton showed just how dangerous they are, but also, you know, plenty of ways to attack them as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, uh, can I use my famous Italian line now? It's been you a while. They... It's been a while, Wes. Throw it out. Yeah. Thank you know God the Six Nations are here when Wes is throwing out the Italian line. I don't ever, I hate saying it, but like the last 65 minutes, Benetton just fell apart. Like it was such uncharacteristic errors considering how the rest of the game went. They like, their basic strike plays just completely fell apart. They lost lineouts. They were giving away stupid penalties. Um, but I think that's, again, look, that the, the way that hurt them played into Munster's strength, which is Munster have always been great at exerting pressure on their opposition. You know, they um, they can, I was saying it to you, like, I, I like the kind of playing expansive brand of rugby. I love that Ireland playing expansive brand of rugby, but knowing your team can grind out a victory like that is is great and then when they start to grind out a victory and ended up and end up running in a few thrillers of tries um you know for good measure is is brilliant um so i think if you're an ulster or a monster fan yeah you're a little bit nervous about the kind of the manner in which they conceded some of the tries early on but again it's still let's say it's still a a, a rebuilding year for them um, and the fact that they were able to dig down and get that win and then you know and then kind of win quite well um uh, again, it's very promising. It's it, it's never an easy place to go. It was only was the last season or season before uh, they won with a penalty in the last minute. So, um, you know, we, we do say that okay, that that division of the competition, the Scotland Italian division, is a little bit easier. But Benetton aren't, you know, they're not Zebra. Is that okay to say they're they're not the team? Maybe they were four or five years ago. They are progressing. They are building. Um, and it's also keep in mind it's a weakened Benetton team. Half their squads with with Italy so um, a brilliant performance for them and they managed to, to uh, bring it back together and get the losing bonus points so great for them not so great for Connacht I kind of wish they hadn't in a way um, but yeah a really strong performance from Munster in a lot of areas yeah not not such a great start but they held together well and they, they ground out the victory and as I say they were scored some really really impressive tries so I think um, 
they're going for strength. If you're looking at you know the next stage of Europe, I think they're building well for that. Um, I know it's a bit early to say that, but um, the signs are positive. I think. Sam, as a Connacht fan, did seeing that game yesterday give you give you hope ahead of April first, or did it scare you? Benetton are kind of like Connacht in the fact that I can't read too much into anything on the form book. Like I watched, you know, I was watching the start of it and I was going, "Oh feck, Benetton, look on it again." And then they start conceding tries and you're kind of going, I've seen this game before. That team in green looked like another team in green that I know. So I don't buy or read too much into how they performed at home against Munster in the league a couple of weeks before we play them at, uh, in, in Italy in the cup because it's just two, two completely different conversations. You don't know how they're going to be affected by the Six Nations, the Italian players. But yeah, what I would say is looking at that, looking at, you know, we played them earlier in the season in the sports ground. They had players like Umaga there. We managed to beat them then. I'm not scared of Benetton. I think it's a hard place to go. But as you know, we, we fucked up our chance to have a home draw in the league, in the cup. We know that. But as draws go, it's probably not the worst. It's, you know, I, I could regret that because we'll lose. And obviously Benetton are a good team. They won the, what was it called? The Rainbow Cup or whatever we called it there a couple of years ago. They've been steadily progressing in the last few years. They look like a much more professional outfit. But I still think, you know, of the draws you could have gotten, it's one of the more favorable ones, especially of the aways you could have gotten. So, yeah, I go. you go to Benetton with the same trepidation you go every time you go. You go, this could be a banana skin, but we could easily walk five tries in here. So that's just how that's how going to Benetton is going to be for the foreseeable future. The same way teams probably treat come to the sports ground. They probably go, this could be a really bollocks of a match where we don't enjoy it, or we could just get that Connacht that don't show up. That's, that's how Connacht are, and that's probably how Zebra are. So it just depends on which... Of both teams show up on the day. Yeah, watching the game, I was sort of like, you know, if Connacht can have a good day with their set piece, their you know their maul, their line at the scrum, and they can just sort of keep it tight for 50, 60 minutes, I think they have a real chance. And I think they could, you know, like uh, Benetton that last ten minutes, there was so much space everywhere for Munster just to attack and you know pass it wide. It was just they were walking in the last two tries. Um, but as you said, <laughs> Connacht, you never quite know. Uh, but like you talk about the set piece there. We were like, the set piece for Connacht. I know we're off Connacht, but oh my God, I forgot to talk about it at the time. Our scrum and our lineup have just been sensational. They're a different animal to anything I remember seeing. Like, you know, the last seven or eight years of being a season ticket at Connacht, I don't remember seeing this standard of scrum or line out. You know, line out steals. Now Murray is by far and away the biggest steals in it. And then I think Josh Murphy is third. And I always think that he hasn't even I don't even think he's played that much for us. Like he's probably two, three games less than Nile Murray. But Nile Murray's on eleven. He's eleven closest. and then Josh Murphy has six. Yeah. And the next most after Nile is uh, eight. It's just it's such a weapon to not allow another team to have lineouts because you know, scrums have essentially become penalty competitions to try and get a line out. That's what the, the modern rugby is. And for Connick to be able to upset that, if you go to Benetton and you upset that side of things, that takes away a game plan. And that's when it opens up. And that's when we get what Westy was talking about, that last 20 minutes. That's when we get that. It's when their game plan isn't working, when they can't, you know, get any foothold in the set piece. Yeah, definitely. Move on to the last province before we get into Six Nations action. Leinster, uh, Beccaro, 38 points to 14. Um, pretty much as uh, as B team as you're gonna get with with Leinster like properly, um, Westy, you know, t- try and talk about this in an interesting way because I'm just so bored of Leinster. So can you anything you want to talk about that's in any way interesting? Um, the jerseys are pretty. Yeah, I suppose that was nice. Yeah, uh, it is actually really cool. Talk about interesting. I'm sure Leinster fans are know, but they have all the uh, county crests. Uh, kind of imposed on the jersey, which I, I think is really cool. 
Um, Considering a lot of people in Dublin don't even know there's other counties in Leinster, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. Um, have I kind of uh, have I plumbed you enough now? I mean, if you want to talk about the jersey, <laughs> we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, look at thirty-four fourteen win. Like, how could you ever be? Uh, how could you ever thirty-eight as a bad fourteen? Thing? How dare you let it give thirty-eight? Stop. What did I say? You said thirty-four. Four extra points down, Rusty. Oh, so sorry. Which um, is my, my lack of faith in Harry Byrne. You know, I just can't believe he got those conversions. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it's it's talent everywhere, really. Like someone like Max Deegan is really un- unfortunate not to be in an Ireland setup, and he's definitely kind of showing why he 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 definitely could be called in. I mean, he captained, I think, the Emerging Ireland or the Ireland Day. I, I get mixed up because we had a few different iterations of that. But yeah, as as weak in a Leinster team as you could get, and again, I think I said it to you in the pub during a match. Um, Cardiff won that fixture last year and nobody can really give them any credit for it. Like they beat Len now, it was in Cardiff, obviously. Um didn't beat them in, in the RDS, but um still no mean feat. So they would have been uh, relatively confident going because they know they can beat a weakened Leinster team. They've had a pretty decent season. Um now, of course, they're, they're missing quite a lot with the Wales team, but um yeah, I think it was from the get-go, it was complete and utter. Leinster dominance. I mean, I think it was um, was it twenty one nil at halftime or uh, nineteen nil at halftime. So, um, yeah, just a real you know Leinster just imposing themselves. You know, almost having a bonus point before halftime. Having a bonus point before halftime is is a Leinster thing. Um, yeah, one thing that gives me solace again, and we've said this before, is that we're not the only ones they do this to. You know, so um, it is just a wealth of riches they have. It's a wealth of youth they have coming through. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if there's not, you know, like people aren't shouting for lads like Liam Turner and other lads that you've only just heard their name for the first time in the last few weeks been shouted for Ireland caps pretty soon. Yeah, I, I, I say a B team. I'm looking at that back row of Ruddock, Penny and Deegan. I'm like, that's quite disrespectful to call that a B team. But the likes oh, of... What a B team. I know. <laughs> I'm looking here, like Brian Deeney uh, at lock. He looks eight years old. Uh, and he was still obviously probably very impressive. Uh, Harry Bird, 10. Yeah, Sam, any any, any views on that? Uh, how, how do you think he played? I thought he looked more comfortable than he's he's tried a bit too much in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's like that's a strong enough Cardiff team that really didn't look like a strong enough Cardiff team. They seem to have heads down and given up after, you know, a couple of minutes. And it's not a good reflection of their ability because you look at the back line there with like Jared Evans, Ray Lilo, uh, Reese Pleason, like that's strong. But Harry Byrne had an easy ride of it the way that scrum or out halves for Leinster have done in the past because they were so dominant. So it's not really given us too much of an insight to him. One of the criticisms I had of him when they were, you know, shouts from the rooftops to get him into the Irish squad at first was, yeah, he's looked brilliant, but he's looked brilliant against teams that have looked shite or have been shite. And this Cardiff team, albeit they were strong, were shite. So it's, you know, it's the same vicious cycle that happens for a Leinster out half is that the forwards are so dominant and that's a forward. That's a young forward pack. Like that's, Mill and McKee in one and two, and they're like they they looked like seasoned professionals. They look strong as anything. They held their own. You know, Al Alto is there. Maloney's a good professional, and then you obviously have a strong back row, uh, and that gave him that platform that we've said is the you know almost to the detriment of some Leinster players. It was quite similar with Jordan Larmer when we, people were saying why isn't the Irish squad is because because he's never tested because at Leinster you're not, and that's just sh- shown again like they've. They were, like you said, boringly dominant. Uh, they were they were very good. I will say, like, you know, you have to commend 
their commitment to bringing through young players because some of these players like this Charlie Tectors or that's all King who played for Balbriggan a year ago and now I think he's playing for Clontarf looked unbelievable for the under 20s and he came on for a few minutes at the end there Colhan uh, I've not heard of that's how you know deep in the academy he is and their commitment to bring through these players is beneficial because we have you know we've benefited from these players being given a chance in Leinster often like not all of them are going to make it as Leinster players but they're going to know what it's like to win they're going to know what it's like to come on and beat Cardiff they're going to know what the league is like and then you know if they're not going to make it at Leinster we'll pick them up or Munster or Ulster will pick them up or they might go abroad but you know hopefully for Connacht's sake we pick up one or two of them these experiences are excellent for them so like I think Leinster's Leinster set up their professionalism, their academy, everything is just, it's become such a machine. Uh, it's so hard to see it slowing down. I'm just, you know, as a kind of fan, hold not to hope about my theory about the bubble bursting, you know, Leo for two years, it goes south, Sexton doesn't know what he's doing. They give him the interim manager role. It doesn't happen. Lancaster beats him with Racing next year. Okay. It's up. I hold out a little bit of hope here, but I just, like I'm saying it was such like, you know, no, no actual belief in it because you see like a Charlie Tector coming in and just like doesn't miss a beat, you know, and when they're given the platform that Leinster players get given in these games where they're so dominant because their forwards are so professional in the manner in which they can beat people up that it, it doesn't make it, you know, it, it's just, it doesn't make it very believable that they won't continue to be dominant. Yeah. Um, yeah. That bubble is not bursting anytime soon, Sam. Sorry. But uh, there should be more trades in rugby. Can we propose a trade so that we, like, Lancer send us Will Connors and we can send them Eddie the Eagle? That was one of the things that, do you remember? I don't know if you remember, but football manager was huge when I was younger, championship manager. But rugby had one, maybe two versions of a rugby manager. But one of the downsides to it was that just, you don't buy players or scout players as much in rugby or get them mid-contract it happens very rarely was it Ches and Colby changed hands last year in the middle of a contract the odd loan agreement during the middle of a contract but not often you see uh, like trading or buying players the way you do in soccer and that that's one of the things like that made that game fail but yeah you look at some of these some of these players like a, a Charlie Tector or something like he's probably going to be a great player for Leinster, but he's going to be the back of the queue for quite a while. So as Connacht, I'm kind of going like, which ones of them will be down in Connacht now in the next year or two? Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll put it out to our, our Leinster friends, uh, Jay Long or Tom Coleman or Keno. Uh, we want Will Connors. Uh, come back to us with an asset that you guys want uh, and we can we can talk. You know, we'll see. Uh, maybe like an Alex Wooten. Stay away from the Marais though. You stay yeah, away from Stay away from Marais. Uh, don't even look at Connor Oliver. Uh, but uh, maybe Alex Wooten. Maybe Alex Wooten. We'll push Alex Wooten into the middle of the table. And if you want to send Will Connors back, we'll talk. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, sorry, Lancer fans. Uh, but just stop being so good. Uh, it's a sign of respect that yeah. I find you boring to talk about. Yeah, give, us, give us some magic to us, talk about. Give us a couple game. of losses to talk about. God. Uh, who, do they have, who do they have next in there? They have uh, probably some win that they'll get. Once they oh, yeah. Well, chances now. are they're playing Dragons at home next. So. Oh, yeah. That although last year was it seven five they won that or something ridiculous and then dragons beat us the next week and I went oh this dragons teams are calling it now the charity tech is going to have a hat trick that game I'm going to call that now uh, okay enough of the URC uh, we will move on to six nations it is back this weekend kicking off Saturday Wales uh, against Ireland in in Wales uh, at quarter past two Italy oh sorry England Scotland then following that quarter five and then Italy France on Sunday a reminder of our fans oh prediction league. Uh, download the Fanzo app, enter the code NONE into the league and you will join the Master of Dunn League where you can top three winners get Della vouchers. 
uh, thanks again to Dallas. So make sure to get into that this weekend. Um, and we, yeah, have a go against us. Have a go against your mates. Win free pints again. It's it's all good. It's all, and it's all for free. So uh, do that, and you support the podcast as well. Uh, Wales, Ireland. Yeah, look at uh, Wales have announced their team as we said already. Uh, I'll just quickly go through it. You have Thomas Owens and Francis front row, Beard and Alan Jones in the second row. This oh, it's that time of year again, lads. Is it Alan Win Jones or is it Alan Win Jones? Alan Jones. West of your character, I, I still don't know if I'm being honest. Alan Win Jones. Jones. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, it's Alan Win like the first name. And then Jones the second name, whereas Win Jones is Win the first name, Jones the second name. Yeah, the fact that there's also Win Jones is incredible. But uh, back row of Morgan, Tipperick, and Falatau is a pretty decent back row. Uh, nine and ten is Williams and Bigger on the wings. You have Dyer and Adams. Centre partnership of Hawkins and George North, and that fullback halfpenny. So like Sam, plenty of big names still there. A little of injection of youth. Warren Gatlin's back. You know, are, are Ireland up for a big upset here, or uh, what? What do you think of that team? It's a good team. It's a good Welsh team. Maybe a little on the aging side, but I think that it's fine to go into a World Cup year with that squad. It's not like a, a fully too old team. I think it's strong enough, and it's players that Gatlin trusts, players that Gatlin knows. Gatlin's going to do what like a Sean Dyche or Sam Allardyce does when he comes into it, or a you know a new manager bounce in soccer if they're playing a good team in premiership they just they're going to park the bus and aim to kind of get us on the counter i think i think they're going to do all of the basics really well i think they're going to allow bigger to you know frustrate us try and pin us back half any kicking everything possible hitting it up keeping it tight going side to side like east to west east to west east to west so it'll be a tough day at the office for us it's a strong enough welsh team i think it's a welsh team that'll click i'd actually say that I'd have more confidence in that Welsh team to beat France on the last day of the Six Nations than to beat us on this one. And they're away in France. But I actually think that this is the type of thing that the Gatland will get them to click slowly, whereas it might be a game too soon for them now to get anything out of this game. I think Ireland probably win by 10, but I think it'd be nervy until 65 minutes or so. And then we might get one that just kind of puts it away. Yeah, I I just want to talk about quickly the handicap. I'm not 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 talking about gambling in 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 general, but the handicap is minus six Ireland to minus six. I think that's quite low, uh, just judging on the last year for both teams. Um, but Westy, you were kind of saying you're on. It's the whole Warren aspect of this thing, isn't it? The Gatlin of like you know the new coach bump, the the history of him away in Cardiff. What do you what do you think in, in terms of this game yourself? Yeah, well, as, as Sam said, it's it's bound to it's bound to be some level of new coach bounce. Gallant has such a long and such a positive relationship with majority of those players that he picked. You know, it, it is a it's a team of players. I think twelve or eleven of whom he has coached directly before. Um, so I think it'll be a really positive environment for them. As Sam said, the game plan will probably be relatively simple. We'll see Warren Ball where they've always dominated in rugby is their back three, and that back three is pretty strong. Um, like Falatau, obviously, is is a world-class player. Tiprick is one of the best players in the URC, despite results not going his way. But um, And then Jack Morgan, who I'm really excited about, had a really, actually had a really good Autumn Nations Cup. Um, so they're clearly, there is clearly some signs that they're going to back some youth as the competition progresses and, and get these guys in and get them, let's say, singing off the same hymn sheet. So um, I'd, I'm not that... Like I, I don't think the handicap should be much more than six. I don't think we're going to go and steamroll them. It's Cardiff. It's a really tough place to go. It's the first fixture. Um, now we we played really good rugby and we beat 
the best teams in the world in the last um, in the Autumn Nations Cup. So uh, I'm not overly afraid, but I am concerned, and I think that I think a, a eight to twelve point victory is um, is 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 realistic, and it's kind of um, it's the right level of conservative as well, because I think it it is the type of Wales team where they will try to live off our errors. If we're sloppy at the breakdown, they they will pounce on us, as Sam said. Um, they will kick deep and try and put our back three under pressure. They'll try and get us out of formation. Um, and they're well able to play rugby. Like, let's not forget, like, even under PIVAC, they still had some really, really good results. They've beaten South Africa in the last, um, well, not 12 months, in the last 16 months, maybe, as well. Like so a Grand Slam. A Grand Slam, exactly. You know, so people forget these, oh, the Grand Slam, the red card Grand Slam, as, as it's been called. Um you know, these, guys, these players are winners and they've always been better than the sum of their parts when they play for Wales. It's easy to look at the league and say, oh, you know, bottom six teams, four of them are Welsh. But they, Wales, especially under Gatland, Wales has always been the, the, the fifth franchise, a completely different animal. So um, I'm confident in Ireland's ability as a team, uh, but I am, of course, very wary of, of the sleeping dragon. Oh, very nice. Is it a uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon by any chance? Crouching Gatland. Krimru, hidden Krimru, how do you say? How do you? Kimru. Uh, crouching Gatland. Kimru, I think Krimru. Yeah. Crouching Krimru hidden Gatland. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I, I, I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game, but I just, I'm kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's my confidence in the Irish team. Not only I, I've always thought Ireland were talented, but I think the mentality of this Irish team just seems to be different. Um, I just can't see them not winning by at least seven points. But the the thing is with this Irish game is you want to start off well because next week you are hosting France, uh, and that is such a huge game in terms of the Six Nations. You know, then you have you have Italy and and Scotland in the the, the next two weeks, and then you ha- you host England at, at the end of the at the end of the Six Nations. Hopefully for a Grand Slam. That second week is just so huge. To lose to Wales would totally derail your Six Nations off the bat. And put you right behind the eight ball, and um, yeah, it, I'm I'm really looking forward to it though. In terms of Irish team, Sam, I think a lot of the team already is it kind of picks itself. There's not a huge amount of speculation. I'm sure the front row will be Porter, uh, Sheehan, and Furlong, and I imagine James Ryan and Ty Byrne will be your second row. Back row, there might be a little bit. I would personally go maybe Doris Van der Fleer Conan. Um, obviously Peter Mahoney is always lingering around, but I kind of like him in that finishing in that finishing role. What do you think, Sam? Back row, what would you go for? Yeah, I'd go with the exact same. I think O'Mahony is. I said it last year. I think he's kind of shored up a really good position in the squad for himself for the next year or two as a finisher, as someone who comes on as a leader. You know, with Sexton, I don't think Sexton's going to make eighty minutes as often, uh, especially this year. Uh, so I think that O'Mahony has a brilliant role to play for Ireland to come on to see it out to finish it to get big win big turnovers if you're chasing a game he brings in on the mentality if you're holding off a game he brings on the leadership so he's, he's so beneficial to have uh, and I think you know you have Conan there Doris and Van der Fleer like you know, Conan's a, a test lion Van der Fleer is the best player in the world and Doris is somehow keeping Conan out of the eight spot so like it's a it's a brilliant back row to have I think like as Connick fans you know you'd love to see a position where like uh Keen Prendergast was included, but I think it's probably just a game or two too early, but the, the significance of him still being in the squad is huge. Uh, there could be, you know, something something mental they could go to try and counteract that well size with maybe just putting in a Coombs, but I think, I don't think so. I think it's probably a like, like Prendergast is probably a little bit too early for Coombs, but he has been sensational this season and he is the exact profile of player you want if you want to try and beat up a team and you know, Bear, <laughs> Ryan Baird is a back row as well. He's, he's no slouch either, but you'd probably 
just going to go with Conan, Van der Fleer and Darius and everyone will be more than happy with that. Yeah, I, I would love to see a Coombs on the bench, but I think Omani's, as you said, leadership and his line-out uh, skills are, are just too much to ignore. But I, I'm sure we will see Coombs at some stage of Six Nations. I'm very much looking forward to that. 9-10, Gibson Park, Sexton. I don't know if there's any surprises there. Uh, Wings, I think we assume uh, Lowe and Hansen will start, um, judging by Farrell's interests. Uh, Centre partnership, this is probably one of the most obviously talked about. Ring Rose will be 13. The number 12 jersey is obviously high speculation. A lot of people would like to see McCluskey in. Um, obviously, Aki has not played very often, hasn't played since before the 23rd, I think, of December was the last time he played against Ulster. Um, and obviously, all the kind of uh, talk about him, people don't even know if he's fit. By all accounts, uh, to our knowledge, he is fit. He's been training with Connacht, just hasn't played. Um, and Farrell does trust him. I personally would be. I wouldn't say shocked, but I would be a little bit surprised if Aki doesn't start uh, this weekend, just because of F- Farrell has shown before if fit and available, but Aki starts. Uh, McCluskey has played obviously more often, but not been in exactly an also team that's been dominating. Um, and then obviously you have the Osborne option, but I doubt he he will be featuring this weekend just because of how how young he is and how inexperienced he is. But uh, Westy, your thoughts on the Aki McCluskey kind of debate? Um, yeah, I agree. I think, and uh, I am obviously biased. Um, I think Bundy has played anytime he's he's been fit for Ireland. He, he's been involved in the squad. Um, I could see, I could see a couple. I can see kind of two iterations. I think are pretty likely. If if Bundy doesn't start, I'd say he's definitely on the bench. Um, I, I'd say if you're going to start McCluskey, you'd, you'd have the impact of Bundy to come on. Bundy can also play 13. So as we've seen before, they shift Ringrose maybe out to the wing. Which is, isn't probably that likely though, because you don't want to disrupt. Like Ringrose's form at, at 13 this season, or particularly in the last couple of months, has been really outstanding. Um, if Bundy is fit and available and, and training well, I'd say it's most likely we'll see Bundy and Ringrose start. Um, in that case, though, I find it really hard to see McCluskey on the bench. I'd say you're most likely to go with uh, with Jimmy O'Brien, um, especially if you're going to start. If you're especially if your other bench member is Ross Byrne, because you're going to need as much cover as possible. Uh, in those kind of three back players, as I imagine we'll do, I, I'd be very hard pressed to see a six-two split now going to Wales. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think for me, it's most likely that it'll be Bundy and Ringrose with uh, Jimmy O'Brien at bench. Uh, it's easy to say that Bundy hasn't played a lot of rugby, but I know he's not quite at the level of say a, a Ty Furlong or a Johnny Sexton or, or others. But we have seen time and time again they do mention form and selection, but Farrell. Is, is used to sticking to the players he knows will perform for him, whether they've been doing that for their province or not. Yeah, and we, we have liked that, and we sometimes don't like it, but um, it's it's the reality of what a head coach can do. And as I said, Farrell, has, he's won enough that we can't really question him on, on these things. But um, Keenan, obviously, full back, that's that's probably your easiest selection of the whole thing, maybe other than Sexton. But uh, I want to talk uh, on the replacements, the back, yeah, the back three players that you pick. Sam... Replacement scrum half, obviously between uh, Murray and Casey. Where do you think Farrell goes? He goes with Murray. I I know Munster have gone with Casey and Patterson the last couple of weeks, and Murray's form's not been there. But you're going into a World Cup year, and you are really treating the Six Nations as a like. Obviously, you want to win it. You want to get the Grand Slam if possible, but you want to also prepare for going into a World Cup. And Murray's going to go to the World Cup, not just because he's central contracted, like we say sometimes kind of tongue in cheek, but also not really tongue in cheek, but also because he's what, 100 odd caps for Ireland. You know, he's captained the Lions or he was named captain of the Lions. He's been on a couple of Lions tours. 
you want that experience in your squad. And I think that he'll bring them on the bench from Gibson Park here because he offers that a little bit different to Gibson Park. Uh, and he also offers a lot of experience. I don't necessarily think he's on the best form, but I don't think that's ever stopped Farrell from picking a player before. So I'd prefer a Casey style player in like an almost like for like with Gibson Park. But I think that our game plan is going to include a lot of swapping Connor Murray for whoever's starting at scrum half. And I'd say Casey's more likely to start games for Ireland than he is on the bench, personally. Yeah, I, I'm kind of down the same. I don't mind Murray in that finishing role, a bit like O'Mahony. I don't. I, I would never want Murray to start or play a lot of minutes. But I do like the. I do like having a different style of player on the bench to your starting player because obviously if you're still chasing the game Murray's not the player you want coming on but you would just kind of keep Gibson Park on maybe at that stage but um, I think it'll go Murray too uh, The obviously between Rossburn and Crowley I think last week Sam you said Crowley I think myself and West said Rossburn I think he'll stick with Rossburn again just for uh, away game to Wales he'll try and be steady um, but if he picked Crowley I wouldn't be upset and then that last that last 23rd man I would go Jimmy O'Brien as well. I've seen shouts for Larmer. I've seen shouts for if Bundy doesn't start, put Bundy there or McCluskey there. I just think Jimmy O'Brien, he's a Swiss Army knife. He can play all three positions. He plays them competently. He plays, uh, he's quite a big physical man, which I think people sometimes don't recognise that how big and physical he can be. Uh, I, I think, Westy, you were saying earlier on, but obviously with against Wales and how physical they are and, and the Warren ball, having the likes of maybe a Bundy or a McCluskey on that on bench as a 23rd man could be a possibility just for the physicality of it. But I don't know, Westy, you kind of already said Jimmy O'Brien. Is that the way you're thinking for that for that last spot? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I also think Jimmy O'Brien's really earned it in terms of, you know, he was given a great chance in the All Nations Cup and... Um, and, and look where that got us, you know. I, I think one thing I have to credit Farrell with, well, I've credited him many things, but we say that he has his favourites and he trusts him to finish games, but he is also good at, uh, like, let's say, re- rewarding uh, an unusual selection. You know, look at Hansen last year, picked the start the Wales game, nobody anticipated that, and he kept them pretty much for, for all of the games in Six Nations. So I think um, by that logic, I'd be surprised if Jimmy O'Brien hasn't earned the same uh, right there with him um it's also interesting to take a look at you know uh, wales uh, i think the captain is 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 it joe hawkins uh, at 12 he's young he's a new captain i think throughout the game we'll want to keep pressure on him um so it, it could be a good chance to have an, an option to bring jim o'brien in at the center or to as i say if it's if we're starting mccluskey to bring bundy in but in my kind of envision of a starting team it's bundy starting with uh, jimmy o'brien on the bench or Sam, hear me out. Late call up, Jamer Kilgallen. Ooh, I like Who it. Says no? I like Who it. Says no? Yeah, utility player. I like that. I actually, I believe that the the last player it'll be Jimmy O'Brien if uh, Bundy starts, uh, and not Stuart McCluskey. But I believe it'll be Bundy at twenty three if Stuart McCluskey starts because you know, Farrell has you know previous of putting Bundy in that twenty three. Even though I think it's mental to put, I kind of I'm gonna I'm gonna say one dimensional in inverted commas. Uh, he plays 12 and 13. He's not played 13 as successfully in the last year or two as he did previously and earlier in his career. But he has, like Farrell's had no issue of having him there and moving other players around to suit Bundy coming in. Uh, I haven't seen him do that with McCluskey. Maybe he has, and I'm just forgetting about it. But So I think if McCluskey starts, Bundy's 23. But if Bundy starts, I think Jimmy O'Brien's 23. I agree. I, I think uh, if you're not starting Bundy, I don't think he should be on the 23. Uh, purely what you said. I think, I, I think he's done that previously because he hasn't had the calibre of a Jimmy O'Brien. 
Oh, I think I think he definitely does. If McCluskey starts at twelve, I think he has Bundy at twenty three. Oh, I think he will. I think, I'm. I don't think he should though. No, I don't. I don't like the twenty third player being a a center, center. But I think he he trusts in Ring Rose's ability to move in that situation, and and Mac as well with full back. You know, like that. I think that he trusts that. Yeah, no, and uh, with the physicality of Wales, I think you know it, it would. It's not a terrible option for the Wales game. I wouldn't necessarily like it for a different team, but um, look, it's fun as always to talk about the Six Nations. Um, I said, please join our Fanzo League. Uh, you help out the podcast, and it's free, and it's, you know you can win some prizes and some pints. Uh, and we'll be back next weekend to recap the Six Nations and uh, and the rest of the games as well. I'm very very happy to have it back. Um, and as always, lads, appreciate you coming on to talk about it. So we'll catch you next week, boys. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.